It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Welcome to Podcasts Like It's 1999. I'm your host, Phil Liskov, And we're going to do something that we did a couple weeks ago. We're going to do it again, where we piece together two, uh, two episodes into one. So at the top of it, we have Michael Oziello uh, from TV Line talking about the season one finale of Felicity. And then afterwards, we were lucky enough to get Amy Jo Johnson to sit down with me digitally anyway, uh, to talk about her time on Felicity, her character of Julie, and sort of the ups and downs of what it was like on that show, and um, ultimately her choice to leave, and all that. So she was amazing. It's a really great interview. So stick around for that after my uh, episode with Michael Oziello. Podcast like it. Podcast like it. Podcast like it's 1999. Welcome to Podcast Like It's 1999. I'm your host, Phil Isco. And with us today is Michael Asiello, uh, President Editorial Director of TVLine.com, author of the best-selling memoir, Spoiler Alert, The Hero Dies. I'm so happy to have you here, Michael. Thank you so much for doing this. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Um, so I guess I just, I sort of want to rewind a little bit and just ask, you know, how did Felicity come into your life? Did you watch the show in 99? Where were you in 99? Um, 1999, I had recently moved back. I had gone to college in Los Angeles and stayed there for a year or two. Um, and, uh, my, my sort of nascent entertainment career collapsed quickly and I ended up coming back home to New Jersey um, and, uh, around shortly thereafter, Felicity debuted and I was just immediately entranced by more than anything, Kerry Russell in this role. Sure. Um, I, I was just like, this is, this feels like a spirit animal. This is someone who 
is an absolute train wreck, but so relatable and has such a good heart. And uh, I just immediately connected to her. And I was at the time working for a soap opera magazine. I had sort of segued out of sort of entertainment into publishing because I grew up watching soap operas. So I was working at a, a magazine that uh, focused on daytime soap operas. Uh, but I was also freelancing for what was then uh, TV Guide Online. It was like the launch of the internet had just started. And I had a friend who also worked in the soap business back in the day who was like the news editor for TV Guide Online. And he asked me if I was ever interested in freelancing for him while I had this full-time job at Soap Opera, Soaps in Depth. And I was like, absolutely, because it was an opportunity for me to cover primetime shows, uh, which I couldn't do at Soaps in Depth. It was all daytime and it wasn't a conflict of interest. So it was, you know, it all, all made sense. But uh, this freelance gig started at the same time as I became obsessed with Felicity. <laughs> so it was like my world colliding. It was like, oh my God, I have an excuse now to pick up the phone and get an interview with Kerry Russell, with then unknown writer-director J.J. Abrams, and all of this. And it was just like, and, and this was in season two when I started covering it, when everyone was like, the show is over, forget it. Right. And I was like, no, people, it's not over. It's actually better than ever. So people like J.J. and Kerry and the WB were so excited that I was so enthusiastic about it at a time when they kind of needed someone to be championing the show in season two. Um, so I was invited out to the set in season two. Oh, wow. um, I, I met, I, you know, I met JJ, I met Kerry, and then that's how my love affair with the show, but also the people who worked on the show began. So um, you just did a, a recently did a whole thing on season two uh, for TV line, which I think is really interesting because it feels like, I mean, we're obviously we're heading into season two now, and this is sort of the, the, kind of the fork in the road for the show for a lot of people. You know, this moment where, um, you know, you have this moment, this cliffhanger moment at the end of this season that really kind of cauterized all of that. Like everybody was like, who's she going to pick? It was, it was a love triangle show that was, that was successfully working both sides of a love triangle, which is also, as you know, intelligent, very rare. Mm -hmm. I mean, very rare does a love triangle work this long uh, and this effectively. Um, but it's also sort of the moment where, and this becomes a hallmark of JJ's shows, and it's one of the reasons that I love his shows, which is he has the the fortitude and the courage to blow up his television shows and then put them back together again. Mm -hmm. This idea of I'm going to throw a grenade into this show, and then I'm just going to see if I can put it put it together again, um, which is thrilling as an audience member and also perhaps scary as an audience member because you're like, can they do it? Mm -hmm. And this was the first time he did it. And the haircut that was heard around the world, the, you know, all of this stuff. It's interesting how it kind of, it became this black hole that kind of swallowed the show, but you rewatched it recently and, and, and obviously feel like it, it potentially could be stronger than season one. Why, why do you think that is? Uh, I, well, actually, partly because of the haircut. I thought the haircut was such a bold move and made so much sense 
for this character who was feeling restless and, and rudderless. And, and, and I think it just made so much sense that a college student like her would do something impulsive like that mm -hmm. and isn't going to be thinking about, Oh, what about TV audiences? You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> she's just going to go get her haircut because right, she's, right. her heart is broken. And to, to me, that, that gave, such momentum to the season and, and gave it such a, 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 a dose of reality um, and also a, a bit of darkness, uh, which I love. I love the darkness because, you know, you know, Felicity is coming off of making this decision that, you know, imperiled her best friendship and also this uh, Noel who she was in love with. And, you know, everybody was hating her when the season started out and, and, the the humor that came out of some of that darkness just was so joyful for me. And I, I, I love dark comedy and there's so much of it in season two. Um, but also I liked season two because I felt like season one, we really didn't get Felicity and Ben, that story, that story came in season two. It was sort of like teased in season one, but season two is when we got it. And, um, and that's, you know, when you really get to fall in love with them as a couple and see why they work um, and why um, uh, Ben is better for her than Noel, in my opinion. Uh, <laughs> well, you you might be the first team Ben so far on this. Uh, on this really? Podcast, which is interesting. Um, and it's, it's not, I mean, <laughs> it is interesting in terms of like who's team Noel, who's team Ben. But I also think that it's, um, one of the reasons that I love doing this podcast right now or, and specifically doing this miniseries is watching these shows through the prism of 2020 and, and not just the nostalgia, but also just the putting yourself back into the headspace of when you watched it the first time. So you have a lot of people that were team Ben back then and now have either felt like, Oh, wait a second. Maybe I was wrong. Um, but also just. Ben, it's really interesting you bring this up because, and we'll get into this. Uh, we have uh, Rena Mamoon coming on next week for uh, for two hundred one. Oh, I love Rena. Yeah, she's she's tremendous, and uh, and and just to talk about season premieres and all of that. But but Ben in that episode, those first two episodes are he's he's a coward. Like he's scared of how much she cares about him and the expectations she has of him as a person. And that's what breaks them up, which is so real and so genuine. Yep. and it really comes back to sort of. The thing that's special about this show isn't necessarily the moves, which are fun, and I love Soapy TV as much as anybody, but it's sticking the execution of these characters and making them three-dimensional and making us believe in them. Yeah. Um, that's the kicker. Like That's the thing that makes people coming back every week. And that's why looking at the Ben, uh, the, this love triangle that really kind of crescendos in this season finale, where you see her pulled between these two people, both of which have pros and cons like that that's that's life right there are people you're drawn towards for good and bad reasons right so my, my reasons for picking ben over noel are com Please. completely superficial <laughs> ben okay. when ben smiles literally my entire my heart just collapses in right. on itself and i am no longer in control of my decision making or anything <laughs> and I, I, and I, I literally, I, I see, I watch. He's just so, 
he, there's something so sexy about him and his smile and, and he, cause he's dumb too. Like he has this, he's a little <laughs> dumb, but that works. That totally works for him. It's just this whole package that just really works. Um, and I totally understand why Felicity would pick him over Noel. Noel's wonderful, but Noel is mm-hmm. safe. Mm-hmm. Ben is exciting. Ben is also, uh, and this this speaks to everything you're saying, which are completely valid reasons. Um, Ben's the popular guy. You understand why he's the popular guy. Yeah. You understand why he would have been the guy in high school that everybody wanted to hang out with, and he holds on to that for a while. Like that's there's, and I don't want to say it's smugness necessarily, but there's a confidence to him yes. that's very different than Noel. Um, so I totally get it. Uh, and he's Canadian and I'm Canadian. So I totally get that too. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but I, I just, uh, and by that, I mean, Scott Speed, but not obviously Ben Covington, yeah. but I just think that, uh, it's, it's just, it's, it's totally what you said. And, and it's, it's played in the, in the end of this finale where you see her torn between these two people. And she says it at the top of season two, where she's like, no was the safe choice. And I would always wonder what would have happened if I went with Ben. Yeah. And, and that's the show. Right. Like in a nutshell. And that's why I hate people that think that the show is about a girl chasing a boy. It's not. It's about a girl figuring out who she is and wanting to take risks in order to make sure that she becomes the person that she wants to be. And, you know, we we can we can discuss whether or not we think Ben and Felicity are still together today. But that's (laughs) I just think that that's really I, I think that's really exciting to watch, uh, especially in 99 and even today. So, yeah, please. No, I was just going to say one thing you mentioned about it's so hard to execute a good love triangle on television. And it really is. This is, this truly is one of those rare situations where it's a real conflict for viewers. I joke and say, Ben, no no problem, but I was conflicted too. I mean, these are (laughs) two really good choices. There's no villain in this situation. And that just makes really compelling television. Well, and I mean, I, I don't need to tell you this, but the will they, won't they, is easier to do than the love triangle. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? The idea of two people that are drawn together, your cat and mouse, your, your Sam and Diane's, your whatever's it's, and I, I say easy, but it's easier to find wedges to keep two people apart than yeah. it is to feed three people and make it feel plausible. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, as, as much as people are, I don't want to say dismissive of this show, but think that this show is just, one of those WB shows from back in the day. This is a much higher level of, of difficulty. Without question. And as I was rewatching the, the season one finale and just, just looking at the artistry of the show, the music, the direction, it's so beautifully done. Yeah. It's so, it's it's so artful. It's so artful. Well, you mean if you, if you go back to, you know, the, the pilot that Matt Reeves directed, um, the, the visual language that he sets up is also very much ahead of its time. It's not to say that directors didn't do that back in 99 or before that, but <clears throat> there's a filmic component to the way that the show is shot. You know, obviously it was made fun of for everyone saying like, turn on some lights. Why is it so dark everywhere? <laughs> but, but like that mood that he's that, that very kind of warm, uh, cozy vibe where you just want to be sitting on these beds with all these people just chatting with them in sweaters. Right. And also there's a, uh, and I mentioned this in the, the season two story I did on TV line, but there is a, there is a stillness about the show. Yeah. There is a, a tranquility, like a quietness. I feel like so many teen shows now are kids yelling at each other and just in your face and all this stuff. Like 
dialogue gets a chance to breathe on the show. There is, there are silent pauses, awkward pauses, and it's so beautiful to watch. And also this time of uncertainty, um, it's really calming. Oh my God. Yeah. To watch. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No more than ever. Felicity is the binge that everyone should be doing for sure. I, I think it's interesting too that you bring up the, the calmness and the, and the sort of the, the, there, there's a wordlessness to it as well. Like this show will let you sit in a moment where people just look at each other. Yeah. And, and that's also very rare. You know, a show that I brought up a couple of weeks ago that, that is an interesting, um, it's sort of interestingly analogous to this is normal people. Um, which I don't know if you've watched it yet. I haven't, I haven't watched it. It's yet. very, very good, but it, it's, uh, and obviously I won't spoil anything for you, but it, it's similarly to this. It's very kind of poetic. It kind of sits in moments. It allows itself to be a real in-depth um, sort of deconstruction of young love in a way that I think uh, this show does. So I think that's really interesting. I think also just to sort of tee up the, the finale a little bit, you know, I watched a, I watched the finale with a commentary from J.J. Uh, Abrams and Matt Reeves on the on the DVD box set. And they talked about how, you know, when you start writing a show, and this is all stuff I'm sure you know, but, you know, you have a little bit of, you have a few scripts in the tank, right? You like to have anywhere from four to six scripts written prior to production starting so that you have a little bit of runway before yeah. the machine that eats scripts come is nipping at your heels. So when you get to a finale, there's, there's like no fucking runway. Like you're, you're writing this script in a short amount of days. You're shooting it in a short amount of days. And also you're at a gas in the tank, right? Like you're, you're, you're just, you're done. And to pull off something like this under those circumstances, to me, people don't know how hard it is to make TV. And it's probably a good thing that viewers don't know how hard it is to make TV. But at the same time, watching this, graceful in my opinion perfect season finale yeah is is really something to to marvel at um 22 episodes they did 22 episodes you know and and 22 really strong episodes and you're right they stuck the landing even though they were probably exhausted and and at their wits end and everybody like kerry delivered an incredible performance the right everything you're right you're so right and it's, it's interesting to hear, you know, they, they, I guess JJ wrote it in six days. They shot it and they had 10 days because it was Matt Reeves doing it. So they had a little bit more time to shoot it. But it's interesting how he said, one of them said, like, we sat down in a coffee shop and we're just like, so how are we going to end this thing? Now, admittedly, they obviously, I imagine, had some semblance of she would pick one of them. And the genius of it is not telling us who she picks. Um, it, it's, it's really. Yeah, it's really masterful. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll get into let, let me give a, a synopsis real quick just for the people that, yeah. that don't know what's going on. But um, a disappointed Felicity faces the drive home to California without Noel until he unexpectedly asks her to fly to Berlin with him for an internship. She accepts, but Ben's reaction makes her rethink her plans. Meanwhile, Elena's relationship with Professor McGrath progresses along with her growing uneasy about the consequences of their affair. Julie and Ben are talking about breaking up while Felicity and Ben definitely, quote unquote, share a moment. Things are uh, steaming up for Elena and Dr. McGrath. Noel invites Felicity to obviously go to Berlin. Uh, Felicity was here, aired on May 25th, 1999. It was written by J.J. Abrams and directed by Matt Reeves. Um, so it's interesting. The episode previous to this one, they kind of feel like a two-parter. Uh, the the, uh, the uh, ironically Star Wars-infused episode before, <laughs> which comes before this, 
really kind of, they do speak to each other in a lot of ways, especially since that episode ends with um, a really kind of haunting moment. Uh, for people who haven't seen the previous episode, basically Megan puts a spell on Felicity. She's a full-on witch at this point. Uh, and, and could lead you to believe that everything that happens after this is because Megan is a puppet master of the series. But being be that as it may, uh, it ends with a photo that, uh, that Megan put a spell on that she tore up and accidentally put Felicity next to Ben ominously leading to where we are now, which is making Felicity sort of question whether or not she's made the right choice going to Berlin with Noel. Um, you know, the thing about finales, and I, 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 I want your thoughts on sort of season finales in general, but it's a lot of throwing balls up in the air, right? I mean, it's, it's, you just kind of want to leave a bunch of ellipses to get people to come back next season. Um, but you also have to smartly do that there are a lot of shows that just kind of throw a bunch of shit in the air and just hope you'll figure it out on the other side. Um, this show does feel like there was intent behind a lot of the things that they did. Um, so, you know, do you, what are your feelings on season finales in general? Do you feel like broadcast versus cable streaming, all of that? Well, it depends on the show. You know, if I'm watching a show like Grey's Anatomy, which, you know, does big, explosive, flashy season finales, you know, people die and all of this stuff. I'm, I'm willing to, you know, give it a little bit more, uh, uh, creative, like, I'm willing to cut it more slack sure. because it's, it's a soap opera and it's, and it's, uh, you expect them to just plot twists and crazy shit and all that. Whereas a show like Felicity, you, you want the twists feel grounded and organic sure. because the show is that and not to say Grey's Anatomy isn't grounded and organic, but, but you Felicity feels like a real world. Yeah. Felicity is a real character. Yeah. So you're right. What was great about this season one finale is it, I was on the edge of my seat the whole time, but all of the twists, all of the curveballs felt earned. Yeah. Like they all felt like they were paying off something that we have been waiting for. Uh, and, and those, those to me are the, the best finales. It's the ones where, um, you're surprised, but you're also like not surprised. <laughs> I, I, I couldn't agree more. There's, there's, there's some, there's another component to this finale that I think is worth unpacking a little bit, which is Felicity's sort of secret weapon, if you will, is, um, the nostalgia of college looking at it with rose-colored glasses, but looking back at it with this sort of, uh, you know, what a time to be alive, can't believe I went through these experiences and all of that. And this episode perfectly weaponizes the nostalgia of the show itself by by inverting the pilot on itself and essentially being sort of the inversion of it. Uh, it allows you to look back on where it's come from with such... Um, reverence you know it, it, it looks back i think about the final shots and we'll talk about the final montage which i think is arguably the best moment of this series of you know her walking down that hall with that perfect music cue of, of sarah mclaughlin i will remember you and it's just it understands itself so well in this moment and i'm sure you felt this way too when you watch a show at the peak of its powers and you're just like this show knows it's killing it right now and it knows what it is through and through. Yeah. Yeah. And Absolutely. as and as a viewer, that's what you long for in a season finale, I think. So you said the Sarah, Sarah McLaughlin song was playing over that sequence. So I watched it online on ABC.com. Right. Where <laughs> it no, it's and 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 it's interesting because I I know that they had to change the music for sure. streaming. Um but 
it usually doesn't bug me. Like I'm usually like willing to like go along with whatever musical change they made. Yeah. But in this case, whatever, whatever song they picked was terrible. It was like some twinkle twinkle song. Yeah, I was like listening to it, it was just terrible. And I had forgotten what they originally used. But now that you tell me it was a Sarah McLaughlin, I, I will remember you as like, Oh, of course it was. That would have been amazing. It's this is, it's very funny you bring that up because I feel like I agree with you more times than not. I can kind of put it out of my head when it comes to music cues. Um, this show being sort of a WB show, taking its music cues very seriously and, and having a music yeah. supervisor that did a really good job, it does take you out of it. The, the most glaring one, and I, I'm sure I said this on previous episodes, is Paula Cole not being on the Dawson's Creek streaming stuff is, is sacrilege. Is that I mean, true? Oh, yeah. wow. So if you actually try to watch that show and it doesn't hard cut to I don't want to wait, it's just not the same show. <laughs> no, it's not. So it's it's interesting how we all have our barriers of entry when it comes to music cues, but yeah, uh, but yeah, it's this show really just understands itself in this moment and is willing to and has the courage to throw all that to the wind in season two. And to your point, and I agree with you, it makes for a a, a more interesting season of television. It leads to something that feels a little more dangerous. And as a viewer, that's exciting. But I also can understand a bunch of teenagers being like, what is this? Right. Totally. <laughs> what, I, what I loved about the finale, too, was speaking of the musical, yeah. games, the, the score, like this, uh, this, um, Snuffy Walden uh, score. Yeah. Yeah. It was just so beautiful. And, but also was a great juxtaposition to the melodrama that was happening in the totally. first two thirds of the episode. It's like you have all this teen melodrama and then you have this like or- orchestral score behind it. That's sort of making fun of the melodrama mm-hmm. in a way, mm-hmm. winking at it. It's like, Oh my God, this, you know, treating it as if it's these, 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 uh, curveballs are the, the most traumatic, horrible thing in the world for these people. Um, and then I love how in the final 15 minutes, that score goes away because the stakes suddenly become very real. You know, when, when we find, yeah. when Julie discovers, um, Ben and Felicity are, you know, are fooling around behind her back. Like it's suddenly, it's like, this isn't a game anymore. This isn't fun. Mm-hmm. The, the people are getting hurt. Mm-hmm. It's so, so I totally agree. And I, I want to ask a question and I'm, I, I'm not sure how to ask it, but, um, what are your thoughts on Javier? Oh, interesting. Well, he's not in this episode. He's not in this episode. Uh, and the reason I bring him up is because at the top of season two in the premiere, Javier shows yep. up. And he is, in my opinion, the perfect foil for this show. He allows it to take it down. He allows it to sort of be winky and playful and silly. And I love him. Right. But I also could understand people not loving the stereotype that he feeds. So I'm I'm curious as to your thoughts on that. So at the time, I loved the character. I assumed the actor was gay because he played, I felt like he played it so convincingly (laughs) as a a gay man. It did not offend me in the least. Rewatching the show, I can totally see how it's problematic. You know, a straight actor playing what some may, you know, view as a stereotypical uh, gay man um it's like that would never happen today like this character would never exist as it did back then today um 
that said, I still enjoy Javier. Like yeah. even know, knowing the, the, how it's problematic, totally. it, it doesn't interfere with me just loving that character and loving his relationship with Ben and with Felicity. And, uh, um, and, and, and he just makes me laugh. I, I, I fully agree. I, I think he imbues and, and, and the reason I bring it up is because you feel uh, you feel the, the space of him not being there in the tail end of season one. Um, Ian Gomez had a pilot that went to series that show went away. He came back as a series regular in season two. So there's sort of a gap there uh, in the tail end of the season where you need it. Like, and, and listen, I, I, I don't, this is nothing against, uh, the, the character that they brought in, this Danny character, which they tried to sort of add Dina DeLuca to try to imbue a little bit of comedy in it. But yeah. it's just not the same. Because I think to your point, and maybe it's the reason why I give the role a little bit of slack is how big hearted he is. There is a, a lovingness in the way that he's written and the way that he's performed that, that doesn't feel critical or, or broadly comedic or, or caricature. As close as it comes to it, I still right. think it never tips over. So I'm, I was, I, I appreciate that, that, that about it. Um, so it's kind of hilarious how many times Felicity bounces back and forth between Ben and Noel in this episode. Yeah. <laughs> and it should not work. And yes, and yet it does. It does. Uh, it's like four times. <laughs> it's <laughs> um, but it's it's great. I mean, it's good TV. But my God, it's just like ping pongy to the degree that it's just insane. But yeah. but it's like the show. The show is also laughing at itself too. It's like with the, with the score, but also with the way that Carrie is playing it. Like each time she's like she's made a decision. Now she is going to Berlin, <laughs> and you can even tell when she's saying it, you're yeah, like, no, you're, you're not. not. <laughs> you know, and you're going to change your mind in five minutes. And it's yeah. like she knows she knows it too. Like mm-hmm. you can see the way she plays it. It's like she she she's trying to do the right thing, but deep down there's there's she's not convinced herself um mm-hmm. uh that she's made the decision. And you're right, it's like the 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 bouncing back and forth, it all works because you you in the moment you believe every time she makes that decision why she, why she's doing it. Whether she, whether her heart is in the decision or not, her intentions are right. Um and she she wants to go to Berlin because she doesn't want to hurt Noel, you know, but then the next scene she's, you know, Ben is kissing her and it's like, Oh my God, how am I not going to go on a road trip across the country with this guy that I have had a crush on for my entire life. So it it all makes sense. A hundred percent. It feels, uh, there is an element of destiny to this show in its way of, of, you know, Ben is the, is the catalyst. He's the impetus of the show. He sets everything in motion. So on some level, your heart is like, well, she has to go with him, right? Like, how, how could she not? And yet, again, a testament to Scott Foley, a, test, a testament to the way they write Noel, you do find yourself going, but like, look at him. He's a good guy. He's a good looking guy. He's got his shit together. He seems to know what he wants. It's, it's really interesting to see how they play with that. They also finally cut Ben's hair because <laughs> his hair was out of fucking control. <laughs> Was it really so? So yeah. I didn't. I, that didn't dawn on me because uh, again, I, I haven't yeah. recently watched the episodes that preceded it. So, what point did they cut it? Like right before the finale? Did they cut it? They, they literally. So did, yes, did he they, just the, the finale? His hair was cut. Like yes. before the okay. So oh, much so that 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 someone kind of points it out. If I'm not mistaken, I think. Uh, oh yes. 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 So it, it's sort of a little bit of like. 
it was just, it was getting, it was just, it was this moppy kind of thing that was just not working. And, and I, I, I appreciate that they did it. Um, and it does make you in a weird way, notice him again. It's not to say that you, that you didn't before, but it's like, you look at him and you're like, Oh, he looks different. And it kind of, it's a little jarring in a good way for the finale. I think, um, I also think right at the gate, Ben goes up to Felicity and says, what was that? Did we almost kiss the other day? And that to me is classic Felicity of turning into leaning into the turns rather than away from them, having a character go straight at a thing and be like, what the fuck just happened? So my, my only quibble with Mm -hmm. that scene with him was when he basically states the subtext of what's happening. And sometimes Felicity can get away with this because they have a sense of humor about it. But in this moment, it felt like the wrong character doing it. Like when Ben said, this is about to get really complicated. It just felt a little too on the nose and also not, not something that a character like Ben would even be necessarily focused on. I agree with that. I agree with so that, that. I loved that scene and I loved how they just came right out with it. But that was my only quibble. And I don't know if it would have been better if Felicity said this is about to get complicated. It's like, we all know it's about to get complicated. We don't literally <laughs> need to hear someone say it. It's always about to get complicated. So right, yeah, exactly. no, I, I agree with that 100%. Yeah, there is something about Scott Speedman's delivery that either works incredibly well for this show or sometimes they put lines in his mouth that aren't necessarily right for him. And there's just something. So I, 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 I hear that a hundred percent. I think that um, it's possible that part of it was, this is a turning point for Ben's character. He's finally coming to grips with the fact that he might have feelings for Felicity. Um, and, and sort of there, there, there is that part of it. Um, we have a callback, a visual callback of Felicity, the silhouette, the Sally uh, dictaphone from the pilot. Yeah. Um, I I know it's a little cheesy, but I love the past students' names written inside the inside the closet. Yeah, it's great. Right. It's great. Yeah. It's it's just yeah. It just it works for me. Um, it's it's the kind of thing where you're thinking, oh, they probably just came up with that at the last minute or something like that, mm-hmm. and 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 but it works. Mm-hmm. You believe you believe it. You believe it's something she would just discover at the last minute, and mm-hmm. you know, and the way the episode ends with her name, it just it it's was perfect. Just, Beautiful bookend to the season. It, it also just feels like um, she talks about it at the top of the episode, which is the idea of like all these people that lived in this room before her and what are they all doing with their lives? I mean, that is college, right? It is, it's a rite of passage. It is, it's a thing you go through to, to start your life, right? Mm-hmm. So all of these people have to go through this thing. It's just, uh, it's, it's really heartwarming and it makes you feel part of a community in a way that I think is really beautiful. You know what's interesting about that moment too? I I feel like back when that originally aired, uh, like now, if an episode did that, my first thought would be, oh, they're going to circle back to that at the end of the episode. Because so many shows do that now, you know, and there's so much television where they plant that seed in the beginning. It's it's like, oh, that's a little left field. I bet they're going to come around at the end. Like they introduced in the beginning of an episode, like, oh, I, ne- I never finished watching this movie when I was a kid, blah, blah, blah. You know, the last five minutes or someone's going to show them the final five minutes. Of the sure, sure. So that's, that, and that's also a byproduct, just watching a lot of television. Oh, yeah. Um, but, but, but that 
worked back then. And surprisingly, it worked now too. Like I had forgotten that they circle back at the end of the episode where, where they, they land on her with her name on the end of that list. So I think that's also a testament to, to the fact that the episode pulled you in, right? So you forgot yes, about it. I, you, so it's, it's, it is, it's, it's really great. Um, I, I think that there's, there's a lot of, as I mentioned earlier, there's a lot of full circles going on in this episode. It's a lot of, obviously, the show coming back on itself, folding back in on itself. The the idea of the role reversal now between Felicity and Julie, which is that, you know, in the pilot, Julie had Ben's affections. Now Felicity has it. Um, uh, I, I'm curious. Sort of, I mean, the Ben and Julie relationship is a little bit weird. I've mentioned in previous episodes, as it, as it gets into the final run of episodes, probably the last four or five it's clear that they know that they want to have Felicity have to choose between Ben and, and Noel by the end of the season. So Ben starts to push Julie away and their relationship just starts to get just amorphous. It just doesn't really. So when Julie's pissed off, I get it, but I'm also like, you guys weren't really dating for the past month. So I'm just like, I don't know why you're that upset. But... Right, and, all, and also you, you know, the history between Felicity and right. Ben. Right. So it was felt a little naive when she's like encouraging Felicity to go on the road trip. It's like, why are you yeah. not going to go with Ben? You have to go yeah. and spy on me to find out who he has a crush on. <laughs> you know, it's like it felt a little tone deaf on her part. Yes, I, I agree. Um, but I do like so Ben and Julie break up and. As they're, as she's leaving the loft in one of the like three different entrances that that loft has, um, she, she turns to him and says, actually, don't call me. I don't want to, not to be shitty, but I don't want to wait for your call, which is again, a very, like, one of the things that I, that a, a sort of a, a, a illusion or connection that I make is there's a lot of Cameron Crowe in Felicity. I feel like there's a lot of Cameron Crowe, quite frankly, in JJ Abrams, which is him finding these really human, small character moments that you really hold on to. And something like that, that felt like an exchange that could have been in Say Anything or or Jerry Maguire. That just like, I don't want to sit by the phone waiting for you to call, so please don't call me. Right. Is no, the thing. I loved that moment so much. I actually made a note about that. What I loved about it was when she goes, um, don't, no, but actually don't call me. But And I don't mean that in a bitchy way. Because yeah. uh, I feel like... That's how so many other teen shows would have played that moment. But this is, this went like one level deeper. And to me, made me like Julie so much more that she had the depth and awareness to, to not just be spiteful and, and, and mean. And also that she, she was showing care for Ben by saying that Mm -hmm. she was saying, she was basically saying like, don't take this the wrong way. I don't want you to be upset when I say this. It's really, I'm just protecting myself. It's just, it's just so beautiful and so adult. And, and maybe it's, I, maybe it's, it's idealistic to think that young people could think and talk like that, but I, I loved it. And to me, it, it just, it makes for really interesting characters. I, I couldn't agree more. I, I, you know, I've often said on this podcast that, you know, I don't know that they did right by Julia all the time. As inter- and by them, I mean the writer's room. I think that, you know, shows called Felicity. Felicity is obviously going to be the center of attention. So your supporting characters don't always get the most interesting storylines, the most interesting things going on. So, and I completely get that. But in moments like this, you realize that, that I don't necessarily think that Julie or Amy Jo Johnson necessarily needed big, meaty, crazy drama. She proves in a scene like this that in a small, nice moment, 
She yeah. gives Julie so much mention. It's, yeah. it's, yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, so the, the Elena and, and, uh, Prince Humperdinck, uh, their, their relationship never really works for me. Um, it's, it's, it's a little weird. They throw it away right at the top of season two, uh, it, off screen. Like, it's just like, oh, that happened. Let's not worry about that. Um, it, it, it just doesn't totally work. That being said, the scene of her waking up, and seeing the, the, the paper that was graded, mm-hmm. again, wordless scene, you know, uh, Tangi Miller acting beautifully and just sort of feeling like she's been led into some weird little bubble that she that she's excited about but also feels like is dangerous. Um, it's a beautiful moment. Like, that wouldn't exist today. <laughs> right. Today, there'd be no air in that scene. She'd get up, she'd see the thing, and we'd be at it. The movie, the, the scene takes, allows itself to exist. And that to me is one of my favorite moments of the episode, even if I don't really like the storyline. So explain this to me. How was the teacher, McGrath, that's his name, right? Yes. McGrath. Mm-hmm. Why, how was he able to change the grade from a B minus <laughs> to an A when it looked like it was in red ink, first yeah. of all? He, <laughs> He would have had to recreate the title page on his own computer, reprint it out, and then put the A grade on it. I thought the that exact was the only thing, thing that stopped me. I thought the exact same thing. I was like, this is interesting. Uh, I mean, the only buy that I'm willing to give, and I don't think, but whatever, when it is, when it's given to her, it's in red ink. When she looks okay. at it on his desk, oh, it's, it's different. perhaps okay. in pencil. Perhaps. Okay. Okay. But I still feel like you maybe would have seen some indentation of that original grade. I agree. I agree. It it looked like an completely different slice of paper. And and the reality is it was a completely different piece of paper. You know that they just (laughs) reprinted it, put a different grade on it. Um, But uh, I I actually agree with you that um, on some level, seeing some remnants of the previous grade goes farther towards proving the point than yes. making it look as though it didn't exist at all. So right. I, I, as, as finicky and nitpicky as this is, I completely agree with you. And, and I thought the exact same thing. These uh, are the thing. These are the things like if I worked on a TV show, these are the things I would be focused on. It's like, <laughs> Nope. Cut. <laughs> that, that, you know, it's like, Continuity. No, be, yeah. yeah. It's like, I'm sorry. There is those Starbucks cups that she's carrying have no beverage in them. Let's just put, fill them up halfway. There's a ridiculous, why aren't we going to do that? Because these are the things I've been I'm, as, I'm assuming and hoping that you've seen Miles McNutt's Gilmore Girls rants about the fact that all of the coffee cups are clearly empty on that show. No, I mean, I've seen other rants sure, just sure, in, sure. in general about TV. I haven't seen that specific one. But it is, it is really funny. I've often thought the same thing, which is fill it with sand. It might actually be easier that way. Fill it with something so that if it falls over, it, anyway, it's, yeah, I agree. Hundred um, percent. I love Felicity walking Ben through the three reasons why she can't go on the road trip. It's so adorably her that she has literally it all worked out in her head. Um, and then Ben kisses Felicity, and it's a great moment. It's great. It's great TV moment of him just sort of seizing the moment and kissing her. It's it's great. It's violent. It's that's a little violent. I, it's a little violent. A little I, violent. I, I forgot how it was, and that's another thing. Would that happen today? Yeah. He literally, he literally lunges. 
lunges at her, grabs her head and pulls it into him. And, and yeah. I loved the moment. Yeah. I loved it. I thought it was really romantic. Um, and I, and I never for a second felt like she was violated in any way, mm-hmm. but it still was struck me about how, how violent isn't the right word, but you understand what passionate. I'm saying. There's, there's a, it's very passionate. <laughs> um, it's, it's, it's very passionate, but, but it, it works because the expression on Felicity's face, when she comes away from that kiss, she's just dumbstruck. Yep. And that's right where, where I talk about payoffs and, 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 and moments feeling earned. Here yep. also, this is a, a guy that she has been crushing on for most of her adult life. And she just now kissed him. For the first time, he kissed her for the yeah. first time, completely out of the blue, caught off guard. And she, her face just was, it, it spoke volumes what was happening on her face where she was just disoriented. She was titillated, but also terrified. Yep. And she, she just had to completely get, remove herself from the situation. She had to leave the loft. I thought it was so beautifully played by by Carrie and the, the writing was so well done and also talk about subverting expectations it wasn't a terribly romantic first kiss correct, correct. it was it was a little awkward it was a little out of the blue but that's also what i loved about it you know mm-hmm. i i don't need it to have like swelling music and you know they're standing in you know in front of the eiffel tower and all mm-hmm. this bullshit um it's also you know and i don't want to get too far into no please two. you can yeah go ahead in season two is when they have sex for the first time which is also it, not romantic <laughs> So not romantic. It's like literally, it's literally at Javier's rehearsal dinner. You know, they, they, yeah. they basically just hook up in, in mm-hmm. the bedroom while every, while the rehearsal dinner is going on. So not romantic, but also just, just works and, yeah. and real and feels yeah. real. I, you know, it's, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. It, it does feel like the, to, to sort of my earlier point, the show is always trying to zig when you think it's going to zag. It's always trying to subvert, you know, expectations here and there. And it doesn't need to do it in dramatic fashion. To your point here, this not, you know, the music not swelling and having some like crazy romantic gesture is perfect for this show. Um, so then later uh, we have Felicity agreeing to go after kissing Ben. She goes to Noel and says, I'm going to go with you to Berlin while tempted by the fruit of another place in the background. Yeah. Um, and you can tell, as you mentioned earlier, the look on her face, she's not going to Berlin. <laughs> it's not happening. But, but you, to- yeah. you totally believe um, why, yeah. why well, you totally believe in that moment, why she would panic coming off of that kiss and be like, no, I got to get back on course here. This is not happening. This is not real. This is a trap. You know, I need to stay the course, you know, safe, Mm -hmm. safe course. So Mm -hmm. it made sense that she would do that. Totally. Uh, Then we have uh, Felicity and Megan's goodbye scene. And Megan is one of my favorite characters in the show. Uh, Amanda Foreman is just, it might be my MVP of the series. I just think she, she is tremendous. Uh, She has this great scene where uh, she gives Felicity a letter that she wrote to herself at the beginning of the year that said, Felicity will never make it through the year. And then, for, and, and I don't know why, but like, it actually kind of got me a little bit emotional. Megan, I, I'm one of those people, and I don't know if you're this way, that when a mean character is nice, it just fucking breaks me. It's my favorite thing. It's my favorite <laughs> thing in the world. It's like, I love, I love 
villains or villainesses who slowly get redeemed. It's the best. Like it is the absolute best because they all come. They all they're all coming from this place of anger and and pain and it, and it just to me it's it's just it's something to someone to root for. You want to see them do the right thing, yep. and so often they don't. I, I I absolutely agree. It's it's very. Um, <clears throat> This one of the wonderful things about television, and, and I'm sure you know this too, which is uh, it's it's a it's a evolving animal, right? It's a thing where you cast a bunch of th- you cast a bunch of people, and you hope that there's sparks, and you hope that there's stuff that comes out of it. And then sometimes you put a person in one scene that's a good friend of yours, and they turn out to be one of the best characters on the show. Um, and and it's and, and you know. Megan is a perfect example of that, where she has one moment, a wordless moment in the pilot, and then slowly but surely, she becomes what I imagine the most fun character to write on the television show. And she's just fantastic. I also desperately want a spinoff of Megan at Wicca Camp. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know how we didn't get that. Um, but, yeah. do you, but do you think, though, that we love Megan, too, because they use her in small doses. Yeah. Like I said, the kind of thing where it's like too much Megan may- maybe isn't as good. I mean, I love yeah. Amanda Foreman and I love that character, but I also <laughs> love how judicious they are with, mm-hmm. with um, totally. how much they give us of her. Uh, I agree. You know, with the, that. the thing I'll say about Megan too, and this is something I noticed when I was watching season two was she, you can tell that they had fun incorporating her into cold opens mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. because she, she can put a pin on a scene yeah. um, that is, can be moving, but also deeply sarcastic or ironic. She's to me, she's like a cold open gold mine. Like if you, if you know, and, and Felicity's cold opens are always so smart, I think, and so wonderful and, and usually very funny. But if, if you, if Megan and Felicity, particularly that, those two, Megan and Felicity are in, are in a cold open together. Yeah. It's, you know, you're in for a treat. <laughs> yes, I totally agree with you. It, <laughs> it's, she's just, you know, again, um, the show knows how to undercut itself. It knows how to take the piss out of itself. Totally. Um, and, and that's sort of something that, for instance, Dawson's Creek never really Foul. Correct. Um, you know, when, when you take yourself a little too seriously consistently, you're, you need to give your audience a breather. Um, and this show knows how to find that balance between comedy and drama um, in a way that, that most shows don't. Um, right. We have this goodbye scene where we get to see how ridiculously huge this dorm room is. It looks like a fucking like, loft apartment. It's, it's ridiculous. Um, but it's great, and it tees up them both being RAs together uh, at the top of season two uh, and being made, being made roommates again. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's great. It's, it's, yeah. it's a little silly, but it's great. Um, I like that we had – there's clearly a little bit more money in this episode because you got a lot of uh, New York exteriors, which, generally speaking – the show's inside a lot. <laughs> so yeah, some of those exteriors, you can yeah. tell were shot when they went for the pilot, um, yeah. the summer, you know, we're shooting the fall scenes yeah. or maybe, maybe cause there's, there's a, there's a moment where Felicity is on the subway or waiting for the yes, subway yes, 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 yes. in May where she's in a burka, you know, <laughs> she's like yeah. ba- basically got a yes. snow shovel in her hand. And it's like, <laughs> 
I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. This is clearly, <laughs> this is clearly B-roll. It's but, true. Okay, but you know, it's, I forgive the show. I'll allow it. I'll, I'll allow it to do that. But I, I am very conscious of whenever they are outside, I'm like, is it actually New York City or is it downtown Los Angeles? And if it is New York City, is it a fresh exterior that they shot for this episode? Yeah. Or is it something that they, they shot months ago and they mm-hmm. just banked it? Um, which, which shows, I mean, now more than ever, I mean, having worked on, on a show that did this a little bit, I mean, on Station 19, you know, we're, we're not going to go to Seattle that often, right? So when we go, you, you shoot a bunch of stuff and, and truly you make it vague enough <laughs> that right. you know you can slot totally. it into things down the road. It's, it right. is a very, very, very true thing. I also learned something that I didn't know uh, on this commentary track, which is that Dean and DeLuca, they built the facade of it uh, down in Culver City. So they actually had, so that exterior is like people walking by the front of the restaurant is, is just Culver City. I, just, I, I actually sat in that fake being in DeLuca and it's, it's actually, it's, it's Culver City adjacent. <laughs> it's, Cause when people say Culver City, you think, oh, yeah. the Sony studios. Yeah. No, where Felicity shot was in this nondescript parking lot where you would drive by a million times in like mid city LA and never think that there's anything going really on in there. Like, yeah, it's the total not, it's not a studio mm. lot. It's just like, they look like warehouses, just like warehouses. I remember the first time I went on the set, I'm like, this, this isn't, well, I thought, well, this isn't gl- look glamorous. This isn't, where am I, where they, I thought they were taking, it's going to, going to take me out back and kill me. Like, I didn't know where, I didn't know where I was going and it was like they were the only show that shot there and it was just they were they were all by themselves and it's and it is it's like Culver City adjacent. But yes, um the Dean and DeLuca set, uh it's amazing how they recreated that on the on the sound stage and it looked amazing. Um, yeah, it looked amazing. It's really it's really it's really something really something special. The passport scene is a really nice callback to the uh, student ID scene from from the yeah. pilot. Um uh so <laughs> There's a line that Ben has. So Felicity goes back to meet Ben, of course, to consider going on the road trip again. And Ben says, I don't know. You're really smart about things. Yeah. He's so dumb. So dumb. <laughs> that, that, that whole bit there was like, yeah. I was thinking they know this character so well. Yeah. You know, they didn't just give him some eloquent, beautiful, soulful thing. Yep. They they gave him dialogue that was so true to the character and so true to that kind of guy. It was it was awkward, it was weird, but it was just so perfectly on brand. Um that that made me so happy. It was so dumb. It was so <laughs> dumb. But he's just but, yeah, yeah. But that's who he, that's who he that's is. That's who he is. He's well intentioned and he means well, and you do believe that he likes her and cares about her. Mm-hmm. But at, at the end of the day, he's a 19 year old kid who's sexually attracted to this girl and, you know, wants to sleep with her he and, yeah. and, and, and can't really say that. Yeah, basically. I mean, Ben, Ben, similar to, um, perhaps most men on television is not particularly in touch with his feelings. Yes. Uh, and isn't very good at speaking them. Um, but uh, Julie then discovers Felicity and Ben in this clandestine, darkened <laughs> kitchen. Uh, and she says, you know, I really don't care what the hell you are. You can be sorry or not. It doesn't matter to me. You're just a lying bitch. Which is a little harsh, but I mean, sure. Uh, 
And that leads to Julie telling Noel about Felicity and Ben. Like, it's all good TV. So I want to back up for a second. Please. Because I want to give um, a shout out to Matt Reeves for his direction of Julie coming down the stairs. It was shot like a horror, horror movie. Yes, yes. It's like you didn't know who it was. You saw the foot, the feet mm-hmm. coming down. And then you saw the, the look of dread on, on Felicity and Ben's face. And it was, so it was so slowly played out. It was beautifully yeah. done. Like it, I, it was, it was terrifying. <laughs> it, was terrifying. <laughs> it was. It was terrifying. It was, and, and again, it's at night. It's with this, you know, this shadowy lighting. I totally agree with you. It was shot like a horror film. It's great. It was. It was so beautifully done. And then, yeah, the scene that that came after it, where yeah. we find out that Julie told Noel, you know, she, Julie said something in that scene mm-hmm. that, and this is the 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 where the show has a little bit of an edge that I love and a little bit of darkness where she just comes out and she, she goes very plainly and casually. He's a good kisser, isn't he? Yeah. I yeah. mean, that line packs such a punch, like talk about just, it, it's just an eviscerating line and it's, and it's delivered so beautifully by Amy Joe yeah. and, and, and Carrie's reaction to it. It's just, it's so harsh, but it's so real. And it's yeah. just, it's just such a beautiful di- line of dialogue. And, um, it and cuts it, to the quick. It really it cuts, cut, cuts yeah. to the heart of the whole fucking thing. Yep. Yep. And the look on Felicity's face, I mean, Felicity gets a bunch of these also coming up in the, in the season two premiere, but oh a lot God, of yeah. people say a lot of shitty things to her over the course of these two episodes. And, and it's a testament again to Carrie Russell's tremendous talent, which is that wordlessly, you can just see her being gutted by these people. It's, Absolutely. it's, tr- it's really, really something really incredible. Um, yeah. I love that they bring back the guidance counselor from the pilot who gets the one scene with her in this, uh, where again, it's Felicity sitting across the table from him crying uh, and him just being like, it's going to be fine. You'll you'll get through this, like whatever. Um, He's really great. uh, And I wish that actor uh, got more work, but ultimately he didn't do that much. But Ben comes back yet again and says, I left, but I came back and I came back for you. And Felicity, of course, is swoons and doesn't know what to do with this. She gets a letter from Noel uh, and the letter is obviously this amazing letter that says, you know, um, you know, I love you. You're amazing. Come to Berlin. Here's the ticket. Um, which, which leads us to the end of this episode, which is a montage of to Sarah McLaughlin's I will remember you, uh, and a voiceover that JJ admits on the commentary is meaningless to him about ant. He's like, I pulled this ant farm thing out of my ass and then Felicity made it sound, made it sound really, really uh, interesting, but it's not. Um, but, um, she talks a little bit about ant farm and how every, you know, everybody leaving, it's essentially a, um, a metaphor for the fact that the school is empty and you're sort of seeing everyone being gone. And it's, and it's Sarah McLaughlin and I will remember you. And she's got her bags. And it made me think of a couple of things. It made me think of summer camp. It made me think of leaving summer camp and that feeling of, um, knowing you had this amazing thing and unsure if you'll ever have anything like it again and trying to hold on to that moment as long as you can. Um, it's a perfect distillation of everything I think the show does so well of just, Visual storytelling, emotional storytelling, warm, nostalgic, um, best of intentions, like just, 
Uh, and, and who knows what might happen? Felicia might make the wrong decision. Um, it's, it's an idyllic college experience I didn't have, just to be clear. But it's just really, it just packs such a punch, a beautiful, perfect punch. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, I, I want to quickly go back Please, to yeah, yeah. Um, Ben coming back for Felicity yeah. and her, her, her reaction to it. Like they have this whole scene at the end and she's like, you came back for me. And, and let me tell you, that was no small gesture. As someone who has driven to Harrisburg many <laughs> times, let me tell you, the thought of driving to Harrisburg and then turning around and coming back to New York City is a big fucking deal. And I am convinced it is in that moment where, where Felicity made the decision she was spending the summer with Ben. Whether she knew of how far Harrisburg was, she knew it was a big deal. I certainly knew it was a big deal. And uh, and also, it was just a beautiful thing about how she chased him in the pilot, and at the end of the episode, he comes and chases her back to New York. It's it's so beautifully symmetrical. It is. I mean, it's, there's, there's a symmetry. There is... Uh, it, both sides of this show, the pilot speaks to the finale. Every episode speaks to itself. You know, it's one of those things where a, a great season of television feels like a well-oiled machine. Sometimes it is. Sometimes it's put together perfectly like, you know, Vince Gilligan apparently runs a very meticulous writer's room and it is a Swiss watch. And you can tell when you watch his television shows that it is. Yeah. And then some shows you can tell are, I don't want to say slapdash, but flying by the seat of their pants and that the talent is there to be able to kind of pull things together and make it all work and make it all sing and make it all feel like it was predestined. And this is one of those seasons of television, in my opinion. Yeah, completely agree. The, the show in season one and season two is so sure of what it is and there's a confidence about it. A lot of times I worry, I watch a show and I'm worried or like, are, are they, are they losing the grip of what this show is? I feel it. Like I can mm-hmm. feel it's like that's not the show mm-hmm. or they're veering into an area that's not the show. It's like when a show knows exactly what it is and, and just sticks to that plan and sticks to, sticks to whatever the, the mood is or the, the, the feeling is. And, and it's just, it's, it's such a joyful, satisfying experience. It, it, it really is. It's so that that's the thing too that that becomes so clear to us now as we look back on a, a different time in television, where you had television shows that were doing twenty two episodes a year. Uh, you know, broadcast TV was was just making sausages in a lot of ways, uh, and 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 I completely understand that. There's certainly nothing wrong with that. But when a show elevated that, or when a show was able to consistently get over that bar, it's it's very 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 impressive. Yeah. Well, I thank you so much for coming on, Michael. This was an absolute joy. And, and I hope that you'll uh, come back for, for future. We have, we have lots of TV to cover in 1999, so I hope that you'll come back. Anytime. And thank you very much for having me. It was a lot of fun. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.
so now we have my interview with Amy Jo Johnson, who came on to talk about her time on Felicity, the character of Julie, sort of ups and downs of that. Uh, it's a great interview. She's awesome. So uh, here's that interview. Thanks. Uh, thank you so much for being here, Amy. Thanks for having me. <laughs> so um, where were you in 1999 and how did Felicity come into your life? Um, in 1999, I was in L.A. and um, I auditioned for it. I remember I auditioned in 98, actually, in the fall of 98 was my first audition. And then, um, yeah, it was it was sort of an intense audition process, the whole getting tested and all that. Oof. So glad I'm not an actor anymore. (laughs) (laughs) I'm writing and directing now and there is no looking back (laughs) for me. Um, Yeah, it was pretty pretty intense. And so I got the pilot in the winter. I remember being super excited. My mom was very sick at the time. So it was like this really amazing gift that sort of came in to my life and her life as well. Um, And then, so we shot the pilot in the winter and then um, of 98, because she passed away in 98 and the show didn't air until September, right? Yeah, I mean, I I was going to ask if, so the pilot was probably shot in the first quarter of 98 and then went to series during the, so you start shooting it in the summer and it airs in the fall, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Um, maybe, it, maybe it aired in January or something. I remember it was, things were a little weird how it sort of rolled out. I don't remember why, but things would like come out later, like two episodes and then... Anyway, that doesn't matter. Yeah, so it was 98 that we shot. We started filming. We did the pilot in 98. So 99 is when it was like sort of in its run, Right. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it, it starts, it starts airing in the, in the fall of 98 and we're covering the episodes in 99. So that was the tail end of the first season and the top of uh, the second season where she infamously uh, cut her hair. Yeah. Uh, yes. And, and everything, everyone lost their minds, but right. um, <laughs> my, so what was it like shooting the pilot? I mean, when you're shooting a pilot, you know that you're not going to series yet. Right. So it's you're sort of shooting in a little bit of a bubble and a bit of a vacuum mm-hmm. and you're, you're sort of you're hoping that it goes, but you just you never really know. Um, you know, having been through the process myself, you know, when you when you shoot that pilot, um, it's very exciting, but you also don't know if the gang's going to get back together again. Uh, how did it feel to, to make this pilot and, and sort of uh, get to know Julie and then thankfully uh, continue to play her? Uh, it was the biggest break that I had had for sure. I had done a few movies of the week and then obviously I did Power Rangers before that, which was my first acting gig. So I was pretty proud and excited to be a part of the pilot. Um, And it just felt like something special was happening when we were shooting it. And I think we shot in like January, February. And then I remember going to New York for the upfronts in June and we knew that it was picked up by that point. And um, yeah, being like so, so excited to be on that show. I was, like I said, it was the biggest break I had had for sure. Um, So you, you, did you do any sort of chemistry reads with 
uh, I guess, either of the Scots? <laughs> or was it the type of thing where, because I know that the process of testing, all that sort of stuff can be, yeah. can be, can be tricky. I uh, know. I remember going back maybe like five or six times though, and reading with Carrie. Mm-hmm. And, and then I remember after getting the part and JJ telling me that during, I think it was like the second callback, um, I went to go to the washroom and I walked by the audition room and he saw me out the win- out the door. And it was my first time reading in front of him and Matt. And, um, and he said he saw me walk by to go to the washroom and he was like, Oh, there goes Julie. <laughs> like he had passed me before I even walked in the room to read. And then, um, and then Carrie told me that my picture was on the wall. You know how, when you get cast in a show, they put the yep. cast on the wall that my picture was up on the wall before the, the all the audition process was over. So that, that must have been a nice feeling. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The part was meant to be, I guess. It, so it's, you know, you mentioned, uh, you know, obviously it was a big show. It was a, it was a, a big moment. You know, the WB was really cresting at that moment. You know, mm-hmm. you had Dawson's Creek, you had Buffy. Um, and, you know, one of the things about Felicity that I love and makes it special, I think, is that it, it, it doesn't, feel like all the other WB shows. Um, you know, it was very nuanced. It was very uh, um, grounded and and authentic and sort of took, I think it took pride in sort of taking its time to, to let things play out. Mm-hmm. Um, rewatching the show right now, it's, it's really lovely to watch a show that allows you to sit in moments with characters and doesn't feel like it needs to burn through story really quickly. Uh, um, no, what was that like as, as an actor? It. Did it feel... Oh, I was just watching I haven't watched it yet in so long, and I have an 11 year old, and I'm actually really excited to watch it with Francesca. I think she's just about ready to watch it, and um, I'm really looking forward to going back and watching all those episodes. But uh, sorry, I cut you off. I think it'll be great. No, no, no. Yeah, I was. Just, I was just gonna say, what was it like to be a part of a show that felt a little bit different? You know, that that was sort of that was that was taking its time. I imagine as an actor that's a gift, but I'm, I'm curious as to your thoughts on it. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I did love the way, I mean, they had amazing directors come in and it, it almost felt like they would take each episode as if it was its own little movie. And there was definitely a quality to the filming and what we were doing that just felt at a, elevated in a way from a lot of TV that I had seen before. Um, I think, yeah, the directors they had and just the way they did it. Um, what was the question that you actually asked me? <laughs> yeah, no, that was, that was, no, you answered it. It was, it was just sort of about what it was like as an actor to have sort of these very kind of um, quiet moments where like you could oh, really right. just sort so of. I remember, I remember my first day on set and watching Carrie film. She was shooting a scene in the, um, in what is it called? The principal's office of mm-hmm. the school or something like that in the, in the pilot. And I remember sitting there watching her shoot that scene. And in my head, I was like, huh, that's not the way I would have played it. Oh, that's so interesting. Cause it was so reserved and slowed down. And there were moments and there were just like what you were saying, like there was these pauses and, it was really cool to see that and go, oh, wow, oh, this is this is a little different than 
I thought it was going to be, which turned out it's much better than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> but I remember going, oh, wow, that's so interesting. It's a different um, take on what I had read on the page. It's it's interesting, you know. I, I've had uh, Lawrence Trilling on here to talk about um, to talk about directing the show as well, and and you know he talked about the ability that this show gave you to do a lot of um, storytelling with looks, a lot of storytelling without dialogue, to be able to really sort of lean into that, and that the show mm-hmm. really gave you that freedom. Um, did you feel that freedom when you were being directed as well? Yeah, yeah, I I do. I remember a scene I had with Carrie in the library or something. And I think it was the first time I told her about my mom. Mm-hmm. And I remember it just being, I don't remember who actually directed that one. I think it was probably Matt and having us just really settle in. And it was just these long, really poignant sort of moments happening. It wasn't, nothing was rushed, which felt different. And I've never rare. thought about this before, by the way. You're just pointing this out to me. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 well, I hope in a good way. <laughs> no, totally. I'm thinking back on it and just remembering. But that, like what I said when I first saw Carrie doing her part as, as Felicity, and I was just like, wow. It was so poignant, I guess is the word that comes to mind, and just very thoughtful. And yeah. 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 It's, it's, it really comes sort of down to what you were saying about how, um, the show just like took its time. And I think that that's very, very rare. I mean, it's certainly rare today and it's, I imagine even more rare back then. Um, you know, you mentioned the, the, your, your, the storyline about your biological mother. And I kind of wanted to talk a sec about, Julie was given some pretty intense and dramatic storylines. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I mean, Obviously, there was the there was the date rape storyline. There was your biological mother, um, and it's all handled very thoughtfully, very nuanced. Um, again, a testament to the show. But what was it like diving into those kind of emotional waters for her character? Well, for me, my mom was sick when I got the show and passed away in that summer before it actually even aired. Um. I, it was very cathartic, I think, in a lot of ways to have that storyline to deal with searching for my biological mom and having my own mother die. <laughs> um, I think JJ did that a lot yeah. on the show. I know he wrote, so, uh, you know, the storyline for Ben's character, for Scott's character, um, with his dad, and his dad had just died as well. So, you know, for me, I, I, embraced that and and found it a, a bit cathartic well that's that's it, it's great that you were able to 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 take a, a positive spin on these on um, these are pretty you know these are these are heavy storylines and 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 i think about the the date rape storyline which was you know kind of ahead of its time and, and really tried to sort of go into places that the television shows hadn't gone i mean this show with a female protagonist it, you know, really kind of got into a lot of issues that, that women deal with. You know, there's a whole storyline about, um, you know, birth control pills and all that kind of stuff. I think it's really, uh, uh, you know, it's powerful and impressive that they were willing to, uh, to go to those places with the show. So. Yeah. It's pretty cool to be pioneers in that way because that's what people want to hear and talk about nowadays, you know? 
Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so if I, I, for Julie's character, one of the things that, that I really loved about her were the, the smaller moments. Um, and one of them, for example, is in the season one finale, which I really love. There's a moment where after you and Ben break up um, and you tell him not to call you, you say, don't call me. I don't mean it in a bitchy way. I just don't want to wait for a call that might never come. And it's a really, really lovely moment um, between the two of you. And you have a lot of really wonderful mm-hmm. scenes with uh, with Scott. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess my question is sort of how do you find those smaller uh, genuine moments between the two of you. I mean, you had a, a, a tremendous chemistry with him, but I'm just wondering what, as an actor, you know, how you find those moments. Oh, wow. You're really putting my thinking cap on. That was a long time ago. What are I'm we sorry. Going no, no pressure. Um, I did like working with both of the Scots a lot and they both worked very, very differently. I remember where I think Speedman was more of a internal actor in a mm-hmm. lot of ways. And then um, Scott Foley, um, not that he's not internal, but has much more of like a uh, gregarious sort of like um, energy about him with his acting. So it was two, I remember it was two very different ways to work with both of those, those people um, with Speedman. I remember, <laughs> <laughs> oh god i just had a really funny memory <laughs> so stupid i was taking this acting class with this woman who would have you like breathe really hard to cry <laughs> i remember i had to do this scene where i had to cry and i was like oh this is so embarrassing i remember standing in the back and trying out like these techniques that i had learned <laughs> I was like, oh god what was her name I don't need to say say your name, but anyway, I was like doing this like hyperventilating breathing, trying to get myself to cry on the set. And I just remember walking out ready to cry and Scott just like, like, I, are you going to pass out? Like, (laughs) (laughs) there. so embarrassing. Oh my Lord. Do what you got to do to get there. I guess. Yeah, it didn't work. Oh, it didn't work. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think I psyched myself out. I mean, you do that. On a set, like you better be really, you know, fine. <laughs> I don't think I was. <laughs> That's really funny. <laughs> oh my! Oh god! Well, you do what you got to do to get there. I mean, and, and uh, <laughs> yes, you do. I mean, yeah. everybody has their own way of doing. Uh, I just directed a movie with Felicity Huffman and Anastasia Phillips. And man, could this woman, Anastasia Phillips, who plays the daughter in the movie, bring it every single time. And there was no hyperventilating happening. <laughs> she <laughs> definitely tapped into like, sure. why it, she's so good. Oh, man. Anyway, that, I never had weird. that. It always felt like I had was trying to go to the bathroom to cry. <laughs> It's, I mean, it's, I, I mean, I'm not saying this just because obviously you're here, but I'm amazed by what actors do, how they're able to get to those places, how they're able to tap into things um, at a moment's notice. It's, it's crazy. It's a pretty, it's a real unbelievable talent. Yeah. Later on in the last couple years, maybe the last 10 years, I think after I had my daughter, I was able to cry, but I remember being on set a couple times on Felicity having to do scenes about my mother and like they're waiting for me to cry on these scenes. And Oh, I just, 
maybe, maybe because it was a bit cathartic, right? And maybe because my mom had just died, there was like this block. Like I just couldn't tap my way into that. And I, maybe I was trying to like bridge them together too much too, instead of just like chilling out and just pretending. <laughs> Sorry. I look but, back I at mean, my acting yeah. no, no, no. and I just go, Oh boy. Oh boy, lady. What were you doing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I listen, I, I, I'm not an actor. Lord knows I, I couldn't do what you guys do. So I, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm impressed that you guys are able to, to find these wells of emotion to tap into. It's, it's, I mean, it's incredible. But I, but this brings me to my question about whether or not there were other characters or other shows or other movies that sort of inspired your performances, Julie. Were there things that you were thinking about when you read the script or when you were shooting oh. the show? Not really. Um, you know, at first they had my character as a dancer, but because right. I played guitar and singing, so JJ and Matt switched that for me to be a singer songwriter, which I appreciated and loved doing that and being able to play guitar and sing on the soundtrack. That soundtrack was so good for the show. So good. So good. And as was your songs were amazing. So, Oh, thanks. Yeah. It was pretty amazing to be on that soundtrack. Um, <clears throat> but for Julie, I don't know. I just, no, I think I just <laughs> did me. <laughs> yeah, fair, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, so, was it? What was it like on set? You know, I'm sure our, our listeners would love to hear sort of what was what was the energy like on set. I mean, you know, as is the case with a big ensemble of people, you know, you're spending so much time together. I imagine, you know, you you, you build friendships and and bonds with people and what have you. But I'm curious what the energy was like on set. Yeah, it was um, it was it was a fun set. I remember. If JJ was on set, it was everybody's laughing because, and especially when Greg is on set with JJ because they're just so funny together. <clears throat> um, yeah, Greg's still a very dear friend of mine. He's so great. I had the premiere for the movie that I just did. I know I keep uh-huh. talking about it. But no, 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 no. I was going to, I was going to yeah, ask no, you about it. But anyway, um, I asked him to, I did this like Zoom premiere for it and I asked Greg to, to host it. Oh, and that's he, awesome. Yeah, he was wonderful. He was so great. Um, yeah, it's, it sounds uh, like it sounds like it was a very fun set. It was very fun, but I do look back at that time in my life and what I was 28, 29. And honestly, I was very, I say this, so it's, it's fine. It's not like I'm like divulging a big secret, but I was a very insecure actor and I was very, very insecure at that time. And I remember being really intimidated a lot by people and friendships. And I think I was a, a bit like, I was really shy. I remember just being in my head and like, ah, I look back at that time and go, oh boy, that was, it was a hard time emotionally for me in my own life. And then I moved my entire life to Canada and then I got this show called Flashpoint and I had a baby and it was around that time that I sort of like fell into my confidence in myself and had a completely different experience. But my thoughts of Felicity were, you know, like so dear to me and, and that show was so incredible and it was so amazing to be a part of, but I do remember struggling personally while being on that show. 
Well, I, I, I'm sure you know, but uh, it doesn't show at all. <laughs> I, mean, uh, you know, I don't know. I haven't seen it. <laughs> I can't wait to watch it with my daughter. Well, that's. I mean, I imagine that you'll watch it through a very different lens than I do. But uh, I yeah. mean, I think that I think you're obviously uh, tremendous on the show. And and do, I mean, do you feel? I mean, you haven't watched it in a while, but were there specific sort of episodes or storylines that jumped out at you? Things that you remember that that you liked, or um, you know, a, a favorite storyline or anything like that? I really appreciated and like I said and loved um playing my guitar and singing in that coffee shop and um I loved working with Carrie. I used to be just in awe and blown away by how good she is and how easily she can tap into those emotions. Just sitting there watching her sometimes, just being like, Wow, that's why she has that part. <laughs> You know, she really blew me away. Um, <laughs> and I loved working with Grumberg. I loved working with Greg. I had so much fun. And yeah. Um, what was the question again? Just looking back. Oh, the energy. You had a favorite storyline yeah. or, or, or an episode. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. What'd you say? Sorry, I was just saying if you had a favorite episode or a storyline or anything like that, but it yeah. seemed like oh, playing yeah. guitar and then working with Carrie and um, yeah, yeah, and and Grumberg and 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 Speedman, all of them. I don't know. I look back now and it was like, damn, that was such a good show. And then I asked to leave. Why would I do that? That was like such an amazing show with such amazing actors. Um, I asked to leave because I was struggling, like I said, personally and emotionally in my own life, just because my mom had passed away and stuff. And I think I just needed to go fall apart somewhere. So JJ, I asked and JJ and them wrote me out of the show on the, was it the second season? And then I came back for the fourth. I I didn't know that you asked, uh, that you asked to leave. And I mean, that's, that's, I mean, that's a really, that's a heady decision, you know, obviously. Oh, yeah. It was, looking back, it's like, wow, what a dum-dum. But you know what? I needed to go. I didn't say that just for the record. What? I didn't say that just for the record. (laughs) I did. I I said it. But I ended up going to Chicago and recording a rock album. Kind of, you know. There you go. That was fun. And then they were so nice. They asked me to come back the last season. I think I came back for like seven episodes. What were your feelings on how the show resolved itself? <laughs> uh, with I time have travel? absolutely no idea. Because I remember coming back and going, what's happening? Like, where are we? I bet. Okay, I'm just yeah. going to say my lines. Like, I actually cannot, I keep saying this, but I can't wait to watch the whole series with my daughter because I'm really excited to see what actually, what happened on the show. I haven't watched, I really haven't watched it. I think you're going to be pleasantly surprised. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. So um, my final question is, how does, so you're directing now, you, you yeah. directed a feature. Um how I mean, very different job, but how does it compare? I mean, being behind, obviously, the camera as opposed to being in front of it, but how do you, you know, how do you deal with sort of the, the differences between directing and acting? Um, directing suits me much better, I think, okay. than acting ever did for me. And But having 20 years experience being on a set, I think, has made it sort of an innate 
job for myself. Like it just comes very naturally, the actual directing on the set part, the prep and the post were giant learning curves because I knew nothing about what happens before you shoot and what happens after you shoot, which has been tremendous um, like I said, learning curves. But sure. I love it so much, so much. Um, but everything that I took from just being on a set for 20 years is very incredibly helpful. Just knowing how not to cross the line and just what everybody, you know, what everybody's doing and, and really starting to understand the collaboration that actually happens in making a film and, and, you know, learning how to work with a production designer and the DP and all of this stuff that as an actor you can see happening, but you don't quite know to what extent that that actually is happening. I love it so much. Did you, I mean, I, I can only assume that your years of acting um, make you a better director, just in the sense of being able to direct actors and understand sort of what they're going through and, and what that process is like. Um, I'm a, did you, I mean, do you find yourself thinking back to tricks that you would have as an actor and, and sort of talking your actors through things? I actually, some people have asked me that before, and I actually don't necessarily think that that is, the case for myself because I was never a heady actor. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very, I was very more instinctual and, and didn't like to talk too much about the process or what I'm doing. And I find as a director, every actor needs something different and some actors really need that. So I've had to learn how to talk to actors um, and figure out how to give each one what they need, which is always very, very different. So yeah, because I wasn't like, I never wanted a director to tell me if I'm doing a good job because then it makes me heady. And like, I just really kind of wanted to be left alone. Um, But I think some actors really need that. Some actors really need to hear if they're doing a good job or they want to talk the scene out and talk out the beats and all that stuff. So I've been growing and learning in that department more so than you would think. Well, I I thank you so much for coming on and and talking to us about your experiences on Felicity. It's it's a a real thrill to be able to talk to you about it. Oh, thanks for having me. Of course. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.